And welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of February 26th and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sildy. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike preaching from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 23. here in this chapter twice and there are other words that are related to this idea and so I call this the purpose chapter of the Bible now uh, disclaimer up front uh, these are not easy verses to read (laughs) and to learn from Uh, this is heavy-duty teaching I'm gonna try to simplify it for us all I need that as well but they're actually um, 11 verses that we're going to read here, and in all, it's just four long sentences that add up to one great subject, and that is the purpose that God has for your life and my life. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence or understanding, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And let me tell you very simply what these four long sentences in God's word uh, adds up to. It adds up to a threefold purpose, and that is to know, to love, and to serve the God who made you and saved you. That's your purpose. To know, to love, and to serve the God who made us and saved us. So, your purpose is not something that's tied to what comes today and goes tomorrow. You have an eternal purpose. That's why the phrase, in him, in himself, 
we read over and over again in there, popped up over and over again, seven times if you count it. Our purpose is connected to him, not us. Now he brings us into his purpose, and that becomes our purpose. And so it's eternal. It's something that carries us through the ups and downs of life, through all the stages we go through, through the things that come and go in our life that are important. Uh, underneath all of that, beyond all of that, is this purpose to know him, to love him, and to serve him. That's what will get you up in the morning. That's what will keep you going. That's what will keep you going through all of eternity. When everything's done here on this earth, you'll still have purpose. When things are winding down in your life and, and, you, and you, you're not the, the person you used to be and you can't do everything you used to do, you haven't lost purpose. Your purpose is still intact, it's eternal, and you're headed into a fuller expression of it in all of eternity. To know, to love, and to serve the Lord. So kids, young people that are here, there you go. Y'all are looking at me now. Good job. Your purpose is not to play games and to make good grades. You need to do that. Or to even grow up and be a good adult and get a job and find somebody to marry. All those are good things, but that's not your purpose for living. Okay? Those things are temporary. Those things will change over time. They'll come and go, but your purpose stays constant. Men, your purpose is not to fish and hunt. It's not to play golf, much as we love to play golf. Your, job, your purpose in life is not to work 8 to 10, 12 hours or more every week in your job, provide for your household. All those things are well and good. Those are callings. Those are responsibilities. Those come and go. Your purpose stays intact from the moment that you're created all the way into eternity. Women, your purpose is not to raise kids and to keep your husband on track, as important as that is, or to pursue a career, or to enjoy going out to eat or travel or shopping. <laughs> All those things are fine, but those things are opportunities. Those things are privileges, those are responsibilities, those are some callings that God does lay upon our life, but beyond that, our purpose is eternal, it's intact, it's enduring, and it's these three simple things, to know him, to love him, and to serve him. Now, where is this in the text? Number one, to know him, we see this in, in verse four and five, and a few other verses that follow. Look at it again. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him. He wants us to be connected with him, to know him, to enjoy a relationship with him forever, to have a love relationship with him, be before him in love, to be his children. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. God wants you in his family. He wants to be a father to you. And all of us, men, women, boys, and girls, can be sons of God. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, we're all sons by faith in Christ Jesus. 
So that doesn't mean that, that only males get to the front of the line with God and his family. It doesn't mean that all of us are going to be transformed and we're not going to be our former self. It means the title, the privilege of a son, which in a Jewish family was the highest. All of us are going to have the highest privilege, the closest connection with God as we come by faith into his family. He wants to adopt you. He wants you to know him and him to know you. And this is not anything that we can create on our own. It's not, you don't gain this by being a good student or, or being a good child or trying to stay out of trouble. None of us can earn it on our own power. But it's through faith. As the rest of the verses tell us, verse uh, 13, 12 and 13, in, in, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And so it's through faith. We have a faith relationship with him. We trust what he did for us that made it possible for us to come in his family. And these, these verses tell us an amazing um, amount of things that God did for us. Before we ever knew him, it says he knew us. Before the foundation of the world. He knew that we would be born. He knew that we would come into existence. He knew that we would be here in 2023. He knew us before we ever knew him. And he decided that he wanted a relationship with us. And even though he knew that we would be sinners that would not be deserving. And there would be nothing about us that would earn this at all. And that he would even have to draw us to himself, to this faith through the Holy Spirit. He chose ahead of time to make it possible and to choose us in his son, to allow his son to come and to pay the high price for that. And the son was willing to do this. He was the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. He wants to know you more than anybody else wants to know you. And the Bible says he loved you before you ever loved him. And it also teaches us here that before you ever sinned, he made a perfect way for that sin to be covered and for you to be forgiven. What a God to know. What a Lord to enjoy life with. That's your purpose. No matter where you go, what happens in your life, no matter what comes and goes, people come and go, He wants to know you. Now the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that it's not good for man to be alone. Now, in that statement, God is not saying that if you are single or you're divorced or you are a widow or a widower, you don't have a companion, that somehow you've now been demoted to second-rate living. That's not what that verse teaches. It's not good for man to be alone, mankind to be alone, men and women to be alone. What that verse teaches, what that statement teaches is a powerful truth, and that is that mankind has been made to be a social creature who absolutely has to have a relationship with other people and with other beings. And yes, in Genesis chapter 2, God did bring a helper along right after that, Eve, his wife, to Adam. And that helped Adam. But it didn't turn everything good and rosy and everything was great from then on. All you got to do is turn one chapter, chapter 3, the fall of man. Now, ladies, that wasn't 
all your fault. <laughs> but you, you were first in the line. <laughs> Adam was right behind you. But it teaches us this, that that relationship of being married wasn't the cure-all, save-all. But the rest of the Bible teaches this very clearly over and over again, that the most important relationship is the one above. That's what we've been made for. That's the one that carries us through everything. That's where the good comes from. And so if you're single and you'd have to say, I'm, I'm in that, that category, um, you can have a rich and fulfilling life according to your purpose to know God. Jesus was single, right? The Apostle Paul was single. Some of the greatest people that God used in the Bible were single. Mary Magdalene, Martha, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, Sheriff Andy Taylor, Barney. <laughs> no, wait, they're not in the Bible, are they? Our purpose is found in Him. That's why in this text, over and over again, in Him, in Him, in Him. If you're looking for uh, uh, some, a relationship with someone else to bring meaning and purpose into your life, you're looking in the wrong place. And I would say to you married folks, that if, if you're trying to get your life together and trying to get it on track by fi finding your satisfaction in your mate, or maybe in somebody else, beyond your mate you're looking in the wrong place if you want your marriage to thrive then you need to thrive in your relationship with God know him better all boats will rise in the relationship harbor as you know him more and that's the way he's designed it to work and so in this purpose chapter that's why first the scripture leads us to up front and center to see our relationship with the Father above. That's where our meaning comes from. That's where our purpose is. And as we grow old and as people leave and as things change and as we leave and we change, our purpose doesn't. We still have meaning. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. That's my calling. And I'm so glad God has called me. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. I'm not able to do it apart from him. But he's called me into this. There was a time in which I wasn't a pastor. There will become a time when I will not be able to pastor anymore. And I'll grow older. And I'll get in the way. And when I do, I hope you all be nice to me. <laughs> I won't be able to do everything I used to do. At that moment, will, will I be able to sit around and go, woe is me? I don't have meaning and usefulness anymore. I've lost my purpose. No, my purpose will be on high. My purpose will be staring me in the, in, in, the, in the face in the future. My purpose will remain intact, enduring, while my calling, my responsibility, my privileges, opportunities will come and go. And that's true for all of us. And there will come a day we need to remember this. So number one is to know him. Number two, to love him. To know him is to love him. So Paul talks about love in these verses as well. It's in verse 4. And then the expression of love is praise. 
And we find this phrase over and over again, the praise of his glory, verse 13 and 14, and then the praise of the glory of his grace in verse 6. One of the most powerful ways you can express love to someone else is that you praise them for who they are and what they do. So praise is a powerful way to express love. And for your parents, uh, I would say this is one of my, as I look back, this is one of my regrets as a parent. I wish I could go back and do some things differently. I majored in rules. Big surprise. <laughs> you know, you got to have a balance between rules and relationship. I heard that as a parent, but you know how it is. You're so busy and you're tired and you don't have enough time to, to deal with all the interruptions. And so you, you become this Mr. No on everything. No, 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 no. And, and it's step out of line and you're, you're, you're quick to come down on that. Rules, rules, rules. But I wasn't as good as I needed to be on the relationship, on the praise. Somehow as parents you lose your handle on the praise button to praise what your kids do well. When you become a grandparent, it's like you find it all of a sudden. It's like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> but how powerful it is to praise our kids and that relationship. Do you praise what they do well? Because you're saying, I value you. I, I notice you. I, I, I value what you do. I'm proud of what you do. And turn that around now. When they praise us, when they look and they say something good about us, how does that make us feel? My three-year-old granddaughter is the greatest granddaughter in the world. I mean, that's just my opinion. When she was about two years old, she came to our house for the very first time to spend the night. And at the end of the first day, Mimi was in the bedroom getting everything ready, and I was sitting on the couch with my two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter at the end of the day watching her favorite cartoon. I had a Dr. Pepper. She had a milk. And we were just sitting there enjoying the moment. And she looked up at me with her beautiful eyes, and she said, I love you, Papa. <laughs> I just melted. <laughs> we had two boys growing up. We didn't get that from them. And now we got a granddaughter. And she looked up at me and she showed me love without asking for it. I opened my billfold and I said, What do you want? Whatever you want, you can have it. <laughs> well, let's go get cookies. We won't tell Mimi. <laughs> what does God do? And how does he feel when we look up at him and we say, I love you and I praise you for who you are and what you've done? That's our purpose. We ought to get up every morning looking for an opportunity and taking time to spend time with our creator, our redeemer, and say, Lord, I love you. What did the Lord Jesus teach us to do? First in our prayer life, he said, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. I praise your name. Someone said we ought to get up every morning and make up our bed and make up our mind that we're going to praise the Lord. And we have that opportunity. That's our purpose. And if you'll do that, 
you, you'll find that you'll be a much better person as you go throughout your day. You'll have a fullness and abundance about you because you've tapped into to why you're here. And as things are difficult, you'll have a reservoir of abundance to rely upon as you think about who the Lord is and how special He is to you and you are to Him. And so you get up every morning and you praise Him with words like, Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Your name in all the earth. Psalm 8.1. Psalm 113.3. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. I praise your name, Lord. In Exodus 34, 6, you are the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundance in goodness and truth. I try to say those words. I've memorized those words of praise in the Bible because I need help in the morning to get my, my body going, my brain functioning, and my heart set on praising the Lord. And this is a textbook of praise. And, and we find these verses in the Bible of how to praise the Lord. And if you'll commit it to memory and then get up every day with these thoughts on your mind and saying these verses and meaning this praise to the Lord, you, you tap into your purpose. And God just shines on you. And he works in your life. And he loves you back. So number one, it is that we love him. Number two, it is that we Number one is that you know him, and then number two it is you love him. You show that by praise. You praise him for who he is and what he's done. That's the, the two things that are suggested to us here, by praising his glory, that's who he is. Praising the glory of his grace, that's praising him for what he's done. So we get up every morning, we go throughout our day, and we spend our lifetime praising him, and that's what we'll do for all of eternity. And it'll never grow old. It'll never come to an end. And then the last of the threefold purpose that God has for us is to serve Him. And this is, this is the thought that we come to in verse 10. That, that the God the Father in His purpose and what He's doing in our life to make us like He did and make us to know Him and to love Him, it is together, together in one, in one person. All things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So we're to become like him. And how did he come? Philippians chapter 2 says he came with a humble mind and he came in the form of a servant. If he's going to make you like him, then he's going to make you a servant. So our purpose is to serve him. Now we have callings through which we work out that service. We all have different callings and opportunities and gifts and abilities, but our purpose is to serve Him. And while times and places and people and opportunities can change, we should never stop serving Him as He leads us. And for all of eternity, that's what we're going to be doing. Now, I know that in a church... It can be hard to serve the Lord because, you know, people are always getting in the way. <laughs> and it can be difficult to serve in a group of servants that maybe we don't always have the one agenda that we need to have, and that is to serve the Lord. But Paul here gives us a great example as, as he begins to talk personally about his involvement with the Ephesians. The rest of this chapter, verse 15 through 23, is talking about the church. 
and about the saints that are serving together. And Paul prays for the, these Christians. And one of the greatest ways you can serve the needs of someone else is pray for them. And he goes on to say, I pray your eyes will be open that you understand how great Christ is, the one that you're serving, who is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named. And see that, that he's head not over a country, he's not head over a, a corporation or uh, anything else out in this world. He's the head of a church. And you can get no higher in, in your life and doing things in this life than serving the Lord in one of his churches. And so while we can serve out in the world, and we should, we should be salt and light, we should also bring in our gifts and talents and our abilities into the church and to serve because he says he has put, verse 22, all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So God calls us to serve him. And indeed we will do that forever. A man was shipwrecked on an island for five years. And after five years he was rescued. And then when they rescued him they found there was three huts built on the island. He was shipwrecked all by himself. And they said, that's wonderful. What are those three huts? He said, well, the first one, that's my home. He said, then the second one, that's my church. They said, well, that's, that's wonderful. What's that third one? He said, that's the church I used to belong to. <laughs> it can be hard to serve the Lord in a church. We bump into one another. We offend one another. There's going to be times that I rub you wrong, and there's times that you're going to rub me wrong. But a servant doesn't focus on other servants. A true servant focuses on the hand and the heart and the voice of the master and serves him no matter what anybody else is doing and no matter what's holding them back and what's obstructing that they say Lord what do you want me to do and they stick at it and they do it that's our purpose so we need to serve in this church there are many different opportunities to serve you may not know your area of service, but if you pray and you're willing, you say, Lord, lead me, he'll lead you. And I haven't been here all that long. We have a great team of volunteers and workers here, but I know there's still opportunities for more people to fill holes and step up and do things. So we're called to serve. And there's something all of us can do. William Carey, I'll give you this mission story as we close on World Missions Day. William Carey is known as the father of modern-day missions. He was a Christian in, uh, in England, and he went in 1793. 1793, he got on a ship and went over to India for the first time from the civilized world in a long time that a foreign missionary went to proclaim the gospel. And he did that. He did a great work. But it's little known that uh, he actually had a sister who felt equally called to missions, and her name was Polly. But Polly was disabled. Polly was bedridden. And for all of her life, she could only just be in a bed or be propped up in a chair. 
And she said this. She said at the end of her life, I couldn't go to India on my feet, but I could go in my prayers. And behind that great work that William Carey did, and it's still ongoing today, there was a great gospel witness on the, in the country of India today. Behind that was the prayers of a person that might have said, I can't do anything. I can't do what they do down at the church. But she knew she was a servant. And she found a way to serve. Because that was her purpose. And I think she's rejoicing about that today. In heaven. As she's running past everybody up and down the streets. <laughs> because God makes all things new. And he eventually brings us all the way around. We who are his by purpose. He brings us into all the fullness. And everything. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.